Welcome to the Forward Minds podcast. I'm your host, Joy Asfar. Join me every month as we meet entrepreneurs and innovators who are propelling change in the world of sustainability. Listen to their stories and discover how they are shaping a new lifestyle. Welcome back to a new episode of the Forward Minds. Today we're chatting to the queen of thrift herself, Bay Garnet. The first to include vintage pieces in luxury shoots, more famously Kate Moss in the pages of British Vogue, only wearing vintage. Bay is an esteemed stylist, editor, author, and creative director with over two decades worth of experience in the world of fashion. Taking a break from her own podcast, This Old Thing, she joins us today to talk about everything from Cheap Date, the magazine she once ran, to making secondhand sexy. Plus, she also reveals her tips for finding unwanted treasures. Stay tuned. Bay, thank you so much for joining me today on The Forward Minds. It's our first season and vintage is something that's getting a lot more focused recently. So who better than you to dive into this topic? So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So you are called the Queen of Thrift and you've had a passion for vintage since forever, I guess. Where do you think it comes from? Gosh, um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I just always loved the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. I've, I've never known what I was going to find, but finding, just finding things that excited me that were great ideas. I just always found it a never ending source of pleasure, really. The hunt is really, it, I guess it's the same in art, hunting for that really special piece. Exactly. I mean, I guess people have it about stamp collecting or, you know what I mean? Whatever your kind of thing is, it's just, you know, it's a, it's kind of a hobby that then becomes more of a hobby in a sense, right? Absolutely. It becomes, and when it becomes your job, it's the best, the best outcome ever. I know. No, I feel really lucky. I feel really <laughs> lucky like that. Yeah. No, I have been really lucky. It's true. And so you've been in vintage for many years and I guess you've seen the transformation of vintage over the years. And I thought it was really interesting to talk about what you've seen, how you've seen the perception of vintage has changed. So you were talking about the haunts so of for a very long time, it was about finding the really good thing, the thrill of finding something really special. But now there is some environmental side to it, a way to be more sustainable in our choices. Have you seen that shift in perception with vintage? Yeah, I have. I think that that's... Um something that wasn't talked about so much you know vintage used to be this kind of niche thing that you know that people like Kate Moss would wear and it was to do with kind of perhaps dressing up or you know it was something other in a way than secondhand and I feel like for the environment it's become this wider thing which is more secondhand even than vintage you know where it's this whole you know across the board you know secondhand clothes and I feel like it's in the last few years, that that's become huge. And I think that's really exciting. I think people are buying secondhand for lots of reasons, but primarily, I think now because of the environment. And I think that's certainly the case for young people who are making those choices. Absolutely. But how, how would you, I mean, I know it's a bit of a weird question, but how would you define, I mean, how would you differentiate in some ways uh, vintage and secondhand clothing? if people don't really know the difference. Yeah, I... Um, I know there's not really a 
proper definition but if you i mean you know if you have no, no i mean i think there is a bit of a difference i think vintage is for me i can only answer kind of for me but for me vintage is something that maybe someone else has done the edit so you know a vintage shop can be as expensive as you know new clothes and oftentimes it's when someone else has done the edit so and you're getting maybe kind of designer pieces from the 80s 90s 70s whatever it is And secondhand to me, or let's say thrift, secondhand, those sorts of words are much more about you rummaging yourself. And so I suppose for me, that's where the difference lies. But as I say, it's kind of my difference. That's the way I've always sort of dis differentiated it. No, I think, I think I would agree with you. I think for me in my mind, vintage would be more about that special mm. piece, you mm. know, like it doesn't have to be branded, but maybe something that was, that had a history or the story of the piece behind is important in some ways. Exactly. And yeah, it's more like a one-off piece. And I used to be quite a snob. I used to kind of, I, well, I should say an inverted snob where I'd be like, oh, I hate the word vintage, you know, because I like the idea of, you know, like really getting your hands dirty and going to charity shops and stuff like that. So I kind of always turn my nose up at vintage a bit, but You know, now I, I don't. I'm whatever whatever works for everybody. You know. Yeah, you just it, it's just better that to have a you know general definition for it, and so it works. But have you find it harder recently with the rise of fast fashion in secondhand mainly to find really good stuff in? Yeah, shops? I think that is true. I think that a lot of people, a lot of people who are into secondhand and into charity shops, they definitely find that. I think that I think that is completely true I there's no two ways around you know it's the truth there's a lot you have to sort through but having said that you still get the gems you know you still get some great stuff I mean the thing about secondhand shop clothes shopping or charity shops and thrift stores is that it was never about there being tons of stuff on the whole maybe it's just one piece and that is still very much possible you know even with the kind of there are lots more high street shop clothes it's true It really, it really fits the new sustainable way of seeing things in terms of consumption, not buying frenetically. Exactly. I think that's really important for, for people to, if they want to start to buy vintage or secondhand, uh, they need to understand that they're going to go. It's all about the journey, about like looking at things in the shop, taking your time and focusing on, on a piece that you're looking for in, in a way. Exactly. I think it really is. You know, it really is. I'd love to focus on Cheap Date, which I find is a great adventure that you've had. It's the magazine that you co-launched in 1997, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Yes. What was the idea behind it? Well, Cheap Date was really, and actually the idea was me and, me and Kira, um, who founded it, Kira and I, you know, Kira, I kind of, she said, look, come and help me do it and stuff. So, you know, we went to lots of charity shops and the market together and we loved secondhand and we, we loved... We didn't love the fashion thing so much. We felt like that was kind of excluding. And in a way, Cheap Date was, I know Kira felt this, you know, it was an antidote to those feelings of exclusion. And, and it was, but more than that, it was, a, it was rejoicing and celebrating secondhand and all the people that we love to do with secondhand. So Debbie Harry, Anita Pallenberg, all these Chloe Sevigny. So it was about kind of, it was a celebration of secondhand actually, and of being independently thinking in an ind independent way and not being a sheep and not buying into trends and not spending a fortune on clothes at all. And so it was genuinely 
it was a good positive thing people Absolutely. loved it it kind of had good vibes and it poked fun at stuff but it was also yeah it was great and you're right it was a good it was a it was a, there was lots of good times around it for sure and you also really you ha you put a lot of humor into it because you made these fake campaigns yeah uh, with, I which i found really fun and exciting i know they were great i really loved doing those actually that was so much fun it was You know, it's funny. It just felt so creative. So you would change the names like Yves Saint Laurent in Salvation Army, right? And Christian Dior became charity donor in the, exactly. in the little Prada captions. Borrowed and Prada became poached and Bulgari Amazing. became... What did Bulgari become? Bulgari. <laughs> I can't remember what Bulgari became. Um, maybe Borrowed? That was Burberry. That was Burberry, I think, but I, yeah. I don't have the other ones. Budget. Budget. Bulgari uh, okay. was Budget. <laughs> Yeah, and Cartier was cast off and, you know, so exactly. Love it. And it was really, really fun. And actually the editor of Vogue saw them and said to me, you know, we need to be an editor basically um, for Vogue. And I was like, oh, God, oh, really? Okay, that's nice. But it hadn't really occurred to me before that to be on that side of things. You know, I was very much into the secondhand things. But you did bring secondhand into, uh, into the Vogue space. I did. During your shoots. I did, yeah, I did. Well, I suppose my first shoot was one that's kind of become quite well known because it was Kate Moss in charity shop clothes. But that was also because I didn't know how to really, um, I didn't really know how to call in stuff. I hadn't really done a fashion shoot before. So for me, that just felt really normal to just use secondhand clothes, to use charity shop clothes. Which was quite quite revolutionary at the time because usually when you put clothes on a, on a magazine shoot, you can buy them. Exactly, um, but I guess because I'd always just been doing secondhand stuff for me, that just felt, you know, Alex Shulman, like the editor, was, my editor was like, "Well, what do you want to shoot?" And I and I was like, "Well, can I do a shoot using, you know, old clothes?" Basically, because that's just what my experience was in. And what was the reaction? I didn't know what fashion, I didn't know how to call in. I'd never looked at a runway show and I had it as much as anyone else had, but I hadn't followed it. I wouldn't have known what the trends were. You know, she was amazing, Alex. She said, okay, we'll do a thrift story. And so that's what we did. And I did it with Anita Pallenberg. We got our, we went, we used to go thrifting a lot together. And so we got our clothes together and we did this shoot. And um, yeah, it was kind of the first of its kind, really. It was way before... The environmental crisis was the way it is now. I mean, this is this is 20 years ago, nearly, 2003. So it was a long time ago. But you, a really long time ago, and you, but you were bringing thrifting to the forefront at a time where it was, as you were saying, not really trendy at all. No, it wasn't. It wasn't trendy. Yeah, it wasn't on the fashion radar, certainly, and it wasn't on people's radar, but it was something that I loved doing, you know. And now, a couple of years later, you've been collaborating with Oxfam. Yes. And it's a really exciting collaboration because it takes different folds. You started with the uh, Fighting Poverty Fashion Show in 2019. Yes. How did that adventure start? Um, it started really when they, you know, they called me and I'd met them through, I'd met one of the people, one of the team What, someone from the team and on so, doing something I can't remember something about old clothes and then maybe we had a conversation where maybe one of us said oh it'd be great to do a fashion show but I mean no more than that and then she called me 
maybe even a year later, maybe even a couple of years later. It was not it was not something that was talked about and then happened. It was like I forgot about it. She anyway, she called me and and that was that really. At first I was kind of like, oh God, I don't know. And then and then I was like, oh God, of course I've got to do this. This is really exciting. So we did one and then we did another. And then we were going to do another and then that had to get cancelled. And um, yeah, I don't know if we'll do another one. At the moment, I'm focusing on secondhand September. So I'm working on that campaign for 2021. And I'm working with Selfridges on another shop, Oxfam shop with Selfridges, which will launch in September. And so, you know, there's only so many places you can put your focus um, and, and resources. Absolutely. And fashion shows are not really the trend right now. In terms no, exactly. of the way to go. Right, exactly. And I yeah, exactly. You know, with something like that, there's only as a you know, there's only so many places you can put energy and budget. Do you know what I mean? So at the moment we're gonna we're doing this pop-up shop in Oxfam. I'm sorry, in Selfridges, which we did last September, that was a really, you know, it was a big success. And that was great. You know, you never know how these things are gonna be received and if they're gonna work. And so it's lovely when it was lovely when it did, you know. So yeah, I really wanted to talk to you about that Oxfam pop-up shop that you actually conceived yourself and curated at Selfridges. Mm. And the first one opened last year. Yeah. And it's a very bold move because it's an Oxfam pop-up in the middle of Selfridges between all those luxury brands. Yeah, And I guess it was all about shifting perception again. Exactly. Do you think that worked? You've done your research, Joy. I did. <laughs> you did very well. I did. I try. So nice. <laughs> I can just like, yeah, exactly. Just in the groove. Um, because you're right. Exactly. And that was very much the idea was to have this Oxfam shop in the luxury space and for it to look like a luxury store like Miu Miu Gucci Prada, which it kind of sat next to, but for the prices to be Oxfam prices. So you've got that kind of perception of kind of all the bells and whistles of what a luxury store looks like, but the clothes are obviously secondhand and they're really cheap comparatively to their neighbours. And so it's it's that kind of double take in a way. And, and I really like that. And so that was very much the idea was exactly shifting perceptions and playing with perception. And, and I, I loved that. I really, really loved it. And I was really lucky that, you know, I was able to do that. And I had amazing support from Selfridges and Oxfam. And, yeah, and, it's, and you're doing it again, actually. I'm so doing it, it again. Really I'm doing out. it in a different space uh, in Selfridges. So it will, look, it will look different, which is great. Yeah, it's in a different space, different. Um, and it will look different, which is really nice to have a different, another opportunity to just do something completely different. So I'm, I'm working on that at the moment. Yeah. And then I'll go up to the warehouse and... And pick up the pieces. Exactly. The, the funniest part of the job, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. You, were, you were saying that... That was one of the questions I wanted to ask. When you were setting up the first pop-up at Selfridges, I was going to ask if you set it up as the actual space, if you set it up as a luxury boutique, or if you had to keep the feel of an Oxfam you know, shop. No, I didn't want to keep the feel of an Oxfam shop. I really didn't. I wanted it to look as far away from that. However, I did have three shelves and on the shelves I put kind of better, like old books and I put a record cover. So in that sense, it did, in the sense that it had this mishmash of stuff and I wanted to keep that like that. But basically, yeah, I wanted it to not look at all like a charity shop. And to be able to compete with the luxury brands. Exactly. That was really important. That yeah. On the surface, 
it didn't give much away about being a charity shop. Yeah, just blurring the lines. Exactly, basically. exactly. And I definitely had people wandering in. I had this woman, it was really funny. I had this woman who like, she came in, she obviously was super rich, you know, she had all these bags, she'd been shopping and and she went, she came over and I had this kind of scarf on this mannequin and she went, I love that scarf. I want that scarf for my holiday. Go, you know, kind of get it off, you know. And I, I, I was just there and I said, oh yeah, sure. She went, how much is it? And I said, oh, it's four pounds. And she literally, because she didn't realize it was a charity shop. So she couldn't understand it because in Gucci, it would have been, I don't know, 150 pounds. She was like, four pounds? And then she was really funny. She kind of loosened up a bit and she was like, I love it. I'm taking this on holiday. And, you know, <laughs> kind of, I had some nice moments. And then fashion students coming in going, oh, we love it here because we can actually shop in this space. And so it, there was some really nice kind of, you know, moments. I'm sure. I'm sure. And so alongside that, you had, it's the second hand September, which is an initiative launched by Oxfam. And you're also involved in it, right? Yeah. Exactly. So last year, my, the first year is with Stella Tennant and her daughter Iris. And last year was Michaela Cole. And this year we are, you know, that's what I'm working. One of the things I'm working on at the moment is that talent and uh, getting that kind of locked down. So we'll see. Yeah. And Secondhand September is all about, you know, kind of helping people understand that they need to shop less and change our consumption. Yes, it is exactly. And it's about kind of for 30 days, you know, just buy, buy secondhand, you know, don't buy new things for 30 days. So that could start from the 1st of September to the end of September, or, you know, start it, you know, another time that you can do it in 30 days, but it's really about exactly what you say, really, it's about, it's about just putting the brakes on and thinking about the way that we shop, and how much we consume. And, um, and that's really what the campaign is for, yeah. And I, I guess it seems easy not to shop new. I mean, in clothes, it's easier, but I would even think that, you know, in other type of uh, items, like not buying something at all for a month or not buying something new seems easy, but it's not that easy actually on a day-to-day basis. No, it's not. It's not. I know you'd think it would be, but it's, I find it really hard because it is really hard, It's really hard. And then sometimes, like, I remember last September, I bought my daughter or my son, like, you know, something. And I, and it was new. And I was thinking, oh, God, I broke, there we go. I've broken the rule because it's really hard. You know, it's not about spending lavishly on oneself. It's also about, you know, I don't know. I mean, everyone has to buy what they need to buy in order. Like, if your kid's shoes are too small, then you, you know, but that's different. You know, that's different. I feel like, I feel like the, the secondhand September campaign is about, women's fashion you know it's about women's clothes you know stuff that we buy that we need and it's also about the stuff that we buy because we want to buy them because it, they make us feel good and you know that we all do we all do that we absolutely do if we can and no matter what range, you know on the whole we can do that whether it's fast fashion or more expensive but you know let's do secondhand I would love to dive in a topic uh, that is obviously very, uh, very close to uh, to vintage, which is the relationship of actual brands with vintage. Um, I think that this space is evolving very quickly. Brands themselves are now looking into the full life cycle of their products because, you know, they want to make sure that what happens, they want to know what happens to their product after uh, the clients don't want them anymore. 
And so you have all these luxury brands that are now dealing with the rise of the secondhand markets and the secondhand marketplaces. How do you think that's going to evolve along the years? Do you think brands are going to move into the secondhand in some ways? I'm sure. I mean, you know, as you say, it's such an evolving market. And I think that every brand, if they want to stay in business, is going to need to really be transparent and really make efforts into efforts into being, you know, doing what you've just said or, you know, really letting their customer know where the fibers have come from, that it is recyclable. And that's just what I think. I think that people will just need to know that soon. I also think that it will be the rules. I think that it will be a legislature. I think that things will change, you know, from in lots of different ways and become much more strict um, in terms of how things are sold on and or how things, you know, exactly like making the most of everything for use and for recycle recyclable purposes as well in terms of fabrics that are used and yeah I, absolutely I do yeah I wonder I've, I was wondering when I was doing my research as as you know uh what do you think that because you know when you when you go on a hunt for vintage pieces or even secondhand clothing I mean there's this experience in a shop where you just go through the the different racks and you look at products and you touch them do you think that the online experience takes it away a little bit can we imitate it in some ways? I think it does take it away, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that, you know, on the whole, on the whole, it's very clear what fabrics things are. And I think we can use our imagination. I mean, I love a charity shop, but that's just me. And I guess lots of other people do too. But I'm also, I can also on, order online. You know, I love eBay. I love Oxfam online. And, you know, and in a way, sometimes it's quite nice to have that surprise as well. You know, I I think that, you know, it's not the same, but I don't think that that's necessary. I think people are really used to it now. I don't think it's off-putting. No, I don't think it's off-putting. But I guess in terms of you might have more challenges with vintage online in terms of, I don't know, sizing or... I think that is true. Vintage is a bit more tricky with sizing. I mean, it's true because people generally you know, in the 70s were smaller, you know, <laughs> they just were. And like the set, I can't begin to wear 70s shoes because my feet are too big. You know, people just had smaller feet and stuff. I find that ex- very surprising, actually. They were all smaller in all shapes. That's insane. Well, I, 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 from my experience, it's... No, 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 I know, I believe you, but I just find it, you know, what happened to us <laughs> over the I years? No, it's only 30, well, no, 40 years ago. <laughs> The other thing is, you know, if you look at a pair of jeans from the 70s, quite often they're really small. You yeah. know, they're an adult woman. You look at a pair of old Wranglers or something and they're, they're really little, you know. And, and so it is difficult in that sense. And I think for vintage has to be really clearly marked. And people have written to me on my podcast, they've DM'd me, and they've said, look, can you talk about how sizing can be really difficult for vintage, people who want to buy vintage? And it is difficult. I have bought stuff and had you know, strips of fabric added to the side if I really love it, you know. But there's not much you can do about it. I mean, you know, hopefully the place you're buying for is really clear about the sizing and then you go from there. You have to learn how to measure yourself as well, which is, for example, that I don't know how to do at all. So if I have to do it for myself, I get it completely wrong. But I think that's something also that you should probably teach or talk about in terms of 
how to size yourself and measure because they always give the measurements online. But you're right. You I think yeah. that's a brilliant tip. That's actually a really, really good tip because I'll, t- I'll take that tip for my podcast. It's <laughs> Great. A tip because you're right. You know, sometimes they say, they say, I ordered a Burberry jacket from Oxfam Online, an old Burberry's one, and, you know, it's like extra large. And it, you know, it does fit, but actually it had the measurements and that's the only really, that's, that's the way to do it. You're absolutely right. And we, we never know how to do it. I mean, you know, when they, add, when they talked about the waist, I think I do it wrong. When they talk about, you know, the inside of the thighs, I think I do it wrong as well. So I think it's really something that people should, you know, learn forward yeah. to, to, to. Totally. I think if you want to buy secondhand, that's really, a really good advice. Well, I mean, I'm looking forward to listening to your podcast to uh, to hear how to do it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll, 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 meant, I'll definitely I'll credit Great. you. Great, yeah, of course. I'd love to dive in so into more personal questions um, and to get your um, advice. I mean, a couple of advice on how to find unwanted treasures in uh, Oxfam shop, for example. How do you, for someone who's never really done vintage or secondhand, what advice would you give them? I would say, you know, go in when you're feeling in the mood. You know, you can't force these things. I think go in and think about what you might like to find. Oh, I'd love to find a men's stripy shirt, oversized. And then, you know, have a look, go to the men's rail, have a look. And and then you're in there and your eyes in and, you know, you've got your eye kind of tuned in. And I think it's always really good to go with some kind of focus and mission and some kind of expectation. And that's what I think anyway. And then you're kind of really switched on and just really look, you know, look at, look through and just go back. I love kind of going back around. So, you know, you have a look and then you, and you look in the window, like, <laughs> you know, really just take your time and enjoy it. And think about what you might love to find and then you're kind of tapped in and then you might find something else. So I think that would be my 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 tip. The, the main tip. A little adventure, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like go in when you're in the mood. Like never force it. Oh God, I need to go. I need to go. To, just go in when you feel like it. It has to be, it has to be a pleasure, um, I think. And the same way that you don't go shopping for new clothes when you just really don't feel like it, right? Like, you you know, you go when you want to go. And I think also that thing of going in with something in mind is really good. You might not find that thing, but you probably find something else. It's called thrifting karma. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I love that, actually. (laughs) I love the thrifting karma. I think I'm going to keep that. (laughs) And... If you had, I mean, I know this is going to like, probably you're going to share with us one of your, you know, tips or, but if you had to pick one of your favorite vintage spots, but it doesn't have to be in London, but you know, when, one of the places that you've loved the most when you discovered it, some, even if you can't go back to it a lot, but you know, what's your favorite vintage spot? Oh, uh, that's tough. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it would have to be probably, well, a couple of places, New York. The Upper East Side, the good, the council thrift store I love, like on Park and I think 73rd. And there's a brilliant cancer thrift store there. So the Upper East Side thrift stores, I love. Sadly, quite a lot of them have closed down now. But when I go to New York, I wake up with jet lag the next morning and then I'm up on Hmm. the side. And I've got such fond memories of those ones. And so I'd say those Upper East Side ones I loved. 
And I also loved the Queen's Steinway Astoria and Queen's The Salvation Army, which used to be amazing. I used to find really good stuff that I haven't been back there for years, but that's a real place that I loved always. So New York, I suppose, is I feel so devoted to New York in terms of thrifting. And then in London, I love Portobello Market on a Friday morning. It's great. And I really, really recommend it. You know, if you're starting out in secondhand clothes and you want to kind of enjoy it, I can't recommend highly enough kind of getting a coffee, going with a mate and going on a Friday morning to Portobello Market is great. It really is fun. It really is fun. It's so much more fun than... And plus the shop owners in Notting Hill are quite, I mean, are very, all very interesting and it's great to have a little chat with them. Exactly. Exactly. Just a really, really nice way to spend the morning. Amazing. So you took a break from your podcast to come on my podcast, which is really nice. And so you're the host of this All Thing podcast where you discover your guests' most memorable outfits from their childhood or beyond. And I would love to ask the question that you actually asked your guests. So what is your most memorable outfit? You know what? I think that it would have to be something my father wore. My father was a really, he was an amazing gardener, actually. And forever, 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 he always wore the French workman's jacket, that blue, that Saint Laurent blue, that vêtement de travail. But no, the blue de travail, it's called, and it's, it's basically really stylish and it's like, you know, French train drivers wear them and they're just the blue workman's jacket. And he would always, always wear those. And I and I can't see one without thinking of him. So it would have to be that. Did you manage to get one? No, I haven't. And I don't know what happened to his. My father's not alive anymore. So I suppose for me, it has. it's a very um, personal and it's a very, you know, something that I guess is, Full of nostalgia in a way mm-hmm. for that jacket just because yeah. I always wore it so when I see them now they went through a real phase about 10 years ago being very trendy <laughs> and <laughs> loads of people had them I mean not so much anymore but um, I think for me that would be the piece that I remember from my childhood okay great and so to conclude I have one last question and then I will leave you alone <laughs> If you, is there one thing that you haven't found, but that you'd love to put your hands on in the next couple of years? Something that is, you know, when you say I go into thrift shops with something in mind, is there something that you still haven't found, but that you really want? Yeah, there is. It's quite kind of obscure and weird. I've never been into the kind of, oh, I want to find a Balenciaga dress. Oh, I, I, that's not me. I'm not Mm -hmm. a huge collector. And so what I would love to find, Yves Saint Laurent did these kind of, in the late 70s, he did this kind of denim collection. And I've seen some of the denim jeans and they're great. They've got a little leather label on the back that says Yves Saint Laurent. And I've got a slight fantasy of seeing a men's Yves Saint Laurent denim shirt beaten up. And like, don't ask me why. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I just, because I love Saint Laurent and I love denim shirts. And so I'm kind of like this hybrid. I know it exists. I know it exists. But I, you know, you asked me, that's what, to, weirdly, I went to a charity shop in Chelsea the other day. I was driving and I went past it and I loved that charity shop. So I ran in and, and I thought, oh, and it, for some reason it came to me this idea of like, what, what? I was looking in the men's rail of shirts and I was like, babe, what are you looking for? I was thinking, what, what kind of shirt do you want? And that popped into my head of like, oh, I'd love to find that. Now, I don't even know if that exists. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> I know, but it will pop up. Story, but I think it might. I, you know, so a denim shirt like that, I would love. Like denim, like Saint Laurent, I always love. So, you know, okay. Saint Laurent. Oh, what else would I love? I mean, that's the nice thing, to be honest with you. I don't have something at the moment that I'm, that I would love, but I don't have, I'm really open. I've got so much stuff. Well, I haven't got like, it's not valuable. As I say, my stuff is mainly like charity shop, little, like kind of mm -hmm. aren't expensive, but you know, I, I always love an oversized cashmere sweater. I love stuff for every day. Yes, why I agree. Denim shirt with, you know, it's stuff like that. It's stuff I can throw on every day. That for me is where my love of clothes lies rather than in these very special pieces. I love them existing. I admire them. I know people who collect them. It's not for me. I love, so for me, a quintessential piece for every day that would just be so special would be a Santa Rod denim shirt. <laughs> okay, so if we... <laughs> I will love you forever. We'll let you know. I'll let you know if I hear something. <laughs> But I cannot agree more with the with what you were saying about clothes that you can work, wear every day. Just because, especially even recently, I mean, we don't really wear them. You know, we have no occasion to wear like those dresses. But also, something that you wear every day is part of your life instead of something that you just put in your you know in your cupboard that you wear once. And I think I think and like, you know what exactly? I think the older you get, the more you kind of, you know, you just sort of turn to the same kind of things. And so when <laughs> I wear a denim shirt or a beautiful, like, secondhand cashmere sweater, I want to love and wear the things that I love and I wear. And those are the things I want to find. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Bay. It was lovely to talk to you and for all your advice. Thank you so much, Bay, for being with us today on The Forward Minds. Head over to theforwardlab.com to join the conversation and access the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I will be back next week. <laughs>